you know, we only packed with carry-ons. So for a transatlantic cruise, you know, that oh, was kind wow. of wild. Wow, um, Jeanette, that is yep. really wild. Wait, yeah, wait, wait. We have to stop there for a second. You packed for f- like, what is it, 14, 15 night? How long was the sailing? It was actually a lot shorter. This one was an 11 night cruise. Okay, so 11 nights, yep. though, plus right. the time plus on either the end. time on either end. Yes. Wow. Okay, so yeah. what's the stra- what did you... Laundry so- is the strategy, Brian. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast, brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And Sam, it's review time. Yeah, it's review time. It's my favorite time, time. of the day. <laughs> we don't do wait, wait a second. We don't sit and read reviews every day. We're not like no, we're not, I should, not those though. people. I should though. I should look at the mirror. I like stare at the mirror and just read reviews out loud to myself. It's it seems like something that they would do on SNO was that um, you know, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me, that whole skit. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get to the review then after that amazing self-revelation by Sam. I feel like we need an intro song for this, like, you know, like the backpack song from Dora the Explorer. <laughs> Affirmation. But Daily affirmations, Brian. Yeah. All right. Here we go. This one comes from Nick Casale Third or Nick Cassell Third, who writes, great podcast focused on Disney Cruise Line. Brian and Sam, I am a huge fan of your podcast. I really enjoy the show format and the quality of the audio. Even when you are recording from a ship, the audio is amazing. I need to know what portable microphone you use. The content of this podcast is Disney Cruise Line focused and the guests that come on the show have all been great. I love hearing everyone's perspective on Disney cruising. My family has sailed Disney twice and we are looking forward to our one bedroom concierge sailing on the wish for my birthday in May. This podcast has given us a lot to look forward to for that sailing and has helped us prepare. I really enjoy the show. Keep up the fantastic work. Now for context setting, this review was left in March. So Nick, we hope you had a great time in that one bedroom concierge. Sailing of yours. And to answer your question in the review, we use a Zoom HN5 recorder when we are out in the field recording. So there you go. That's how how the magic happens on the show. (laughs) That is not our home recording setup. Our home recording setup is a little bit more complex than that. But thank you for the review, Nick. And thank you for listening. We hope you had a great cruise. Yes. Super appreciated, Nick. Thanks for taking the time to leave a review. And if you head over to Apple Podcasts right now and leave us a five-star review, we will read it on the air. So there you go. But Sam, we got an exciting show tonight, don't we? You want to introduce our guest? Yes, absolutely. I am so excited because we get to talk about one of our more unique cruise itineraries with a brand new guest. Now, she's not new to Disney Cruising, but she's new to our show. Welcome to the show, Jeanette. Hello, hello. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Jeanette. We're so excited that you reached out. This is a great itinerary that you got to do, the Westbound Transatlantic. And uh, this was on, obviously, The Dream instead of on The Magic that's been done, obviously, the the last several years. Um, But before we dive into our topic of the show, we have to ask you about your cruise creds. Tell us, How many times have you sailed Disney Cruise Line? Have you sailed any other lines? And what kinds of itineraries have you done? Okay. Uh, So this was our eighth cruising, our eighth sailing on DCL. We haven't cruised on anything else, but we're not exactly closed off to it. We just, we like the experience that we've had so far. Our first experience um, cruising, it was back in 2009. My husband and I were 19 years old. Um, had only been dating for a year and his family 
was going on a cruise and it actually wasn't intentional. They were supposed to stay in the Animal Kingdom Lodge. They are DBC members and the Kidani Village wasn't ready yet. And so they ended up giving them a credit for Disney and whoever they were speaking to said, you know, have you ever considered a cruise? And they never had. They just jumped on it. We went on the cruise. It was funny because, you know, Christian, my husband had asked, hey, can I bring my girlfriend? And they said, well, you know, she can if she can come up with the money for it because he's one of five children. So his parents bringing her along the kids, even with the credit that they had from Disney, it was still going to be kind of a costly vacation for them. And multiple rooms too. Yes, they had to have two rooms. Uh, So I don't think they were expecting me to come up with the cash, but I had worked all summer and I was saving and I showed up to their house with an envelope full of cash and put it down (laughs) on the counter. And, you know, I was able to go. And ever since then, you know, we're married now. So it all worked out. (laughs) And have been vacationing with them to Disney. And um, actually, that was the only cruise that we have cruised on with his family since then. We've tried to go on other ones. But medical reasons in 2019, we had a British Isles cruise that was canceled. And then all through 2020, we were all trying to cruise together. We had the Baltic one, um, which unfortunately, that itinerary doesn't exist anymore. Uh, We had a Norwegian cruise scheduled and Northern Europe, which his parents were able to do right before our transatlantic. Getting back to the cruises that we've done, we did that in 2009, and then we didn't sail again until 2016. And that was two years after Christian and I had gotten married, but I had just finished graduate school. So we wanted to celebrate, you know, being adults out there in the real world. Um, And before we had to start, or I had to start a full-time job, we went on this cruise and it was to the med. Oh, so that awesome. was our second one. Yep. We were 26 years old and I still got carded at the Cove. Um, it was at the <laughs> Cove Cafe. It was hilarious. You know, they said, are you sure that you're 18 and older? This is the adult only section. And looking back, you know, it was hilarious because we saw a lot of young couples this time and we we're like, that was totally us. We just looked like children. <laughs> and after the med, we did an Alaskan cruise in 2018. We went with our best friends. So it was two couples, no children. We went, had a blast, didn't know what we were getting into, not realizing when we booked it, it was one of the most expensive itineraries. Yes. <laughs> but we made it work. Um, 2019, we did the Mexican Riviera. So we were on the wonder again. Uh, the pandemic happened. And so we couldn't cruise, but you know, we kind of got antsy. So as soon as they had opened up the itineraries, we jumped on it. And so at this point, we had only ever sailed on the Magic and the Wonder. And we wanted to try to complete the fleet before the wish had come out. And so we did a three-night cruise on the Dream and then another three-night cruise on the Fantasy. And which was, it's really unique for that ship. It was just one of those repositioning ones. And we happened to hop on it. Um, and then we went on the wish and we were actually supposed to be on the inaug- one of the inaugural sailings. So on the third sailing. And when they had postponed it, we got the 50% credit. And so we sat on that for a while until we couldn't anymore. And we found it was either the Northern Europe cruise or the transatlantic. 
the Westbound Transatlantic and we wanted it to go big because we had this huge credit. So we went and we got, um, we actually decided on the Northern European cruise. There was one more book or one more room left to book. And then as soon as we got online, it was gone. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so you're and, like, I guess that's not going to work. Yeah. I so guess. it didn't happen. And then we said, well, I guess it's the Transatlantic. We got the very last room. It was 12522. And it was just, it wasn't a suite or anything like that. It was just the typical veranda room. Uh, but it's our, it was our first time sailing concierge. So we said we had to do it. We have this incredible. Yeah. 50% yeah. off concierge transatlantic cruise. I mean, that's the way to get your money's worth, right? I mean, it's still an expensive cruise, but yes. at 50% off, it's a lot more reasonable. Mm-hmm. What was this? Was this just? Was this adults only? I feel like it was. Was it just the, the you and your husband or did you have kids in tow? Nope. It's just me and my husband. We don't have any kids. We have a cat here at home and that, <laughs> that's it. Um, remember so, those yeah, days, it was Brian? just the two of us. <laughs> vaguely, Sam. Vaguely. I remember them vaguely. I know. Well, listen. Um, those, those halcyon days. Yes, I remember them. <laughs> Yeah. Amazing, Jeanette. That's uh, Listen, it was fate. I feel like it was meant to be that you were supposed to be on the transatlantic cruise and in concierge. I love that. Uh, so you mentioned this was your first time doing concierge, right? How, how did you sort of land on that? Was it literally the only room left on the cruise or was it you decided, okay, let's, we want to splurge. We want to do concierge. And there was no restriction on that 50% discount from the wish cancellation. It was exactly that. The fact that there was no um, there was no restriction because normally we'll try to do a placeholder, but you can't. It, there is no benefit when you to that if you book concierge. Just figured, you know, let's go ahead and do it. It's a long itinerary, so we're getting the best bang for our buck. And the Westbound Transatlantic was a bucket list cruise that we didn't think we could do for a while, and so we just. We just booked it for a lot of our family and friends that know us where we travel a lot. We're kind of spontaneous travelers. And so we booked this. When we booked it, it wasn't the last room on the ship. There was plenty still going um, or still available, but this was the last concierge room. And after the experience of losing out on the Northern European one, we, we just booked it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing for folks to know about concierge is you can't cancel a concierge room. Now, that isn't to say you can't change it to a different cruise, but it's a non-refundable deposit. So if you decide you can't do concierge, you can move it to a regular room. It's just you can't get a refund on that deposit, or you can move it even to a different cruise. But that's one difference with uh, with concierge. So Jeanette, let's start with uh, your pre-booking process. You know, obviously, you're going to have a lot of sea days on any transatlantic or transpacific crossing, and you had the benefit of the pre-booking through Shoreside Concierge. Tell us what um, what kinds of things were you looking to pre-book? I'm going to give a guess and say you got everything you wanted. There's no cabanas because there's no castaway key, but if you want drink tastings, you want Paulo, you want Remy, all that kind of stuff. I'm guessing you could get whatever you wanted. Yes, we booked everything that you pretty much could book. So we did uh, quite a few drink tastings. We ended up canceling a couple just because, you know, we we knew with the lounge and everything that we wouldn't really need it. But we kept, I kept the champagne and we loved the chocolate and liqueur. My husband did. 
Um, he did a tequila margarita tasting, or we actually did that one together. And then he did, I think, a martini tasting by himself. So when I had the champagne tasting, he had his. And that was all set up by Shoreside. And so just we just kind of told them, you know, when we wanted it, we didn't want to miss any shows. We wanted to make sure that it wasn't after dinner because we've done those. And it those are kind of brutal after you have dinner. And we got our yeah, late totally You have a totally full stomach and then there's a ton of alcohol to taste. It's not the best timing, I would agree. No. Um, but And also, you know, you might want to enjoy a glass of wine at dinner too. And so after drinking during that and adding on a drink tasting, which they're usually pretty generous with, you know, it's a fun night can be a not so fun night after all. <laughs> um, but we were able to get the dining rotation that we wanted, which we didn't realize, but you know, searching on Facebook and reading vlogs, Reddit, we realized that was something that we could do. I didn't book anything at the spa for myself, but we got Christian the shave and he ended up loving it. Oh, that's one of Brian's favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> Love and that. The only things that we didn't get was just because they weren't offered. So they were a couple of excursions. They just weren't offered. Uh, I think it was one for Bermuda that we wanted and they didn't have it this time. And I think it's just because we were only, we weren't staying a night. And so it was very limited on what they had, but everything else, we got exactly what we wanted. And that was such a great experience and tipping ahead of time, you know, adding just onboard credit whenever we needed, just to make sure that we weren't worrying about anything as soon as we got on board. I'm going to miss that, you know, if we ever cruise again and we're not concierge. <laughs> I know it is. It's listen, it's so it's wonderful. I mean, the 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 extra benefits of all that pre-booking stuff and having shoreside concierge and then on board, of course, having con concierge to book things for you and to never have to deal with guest services or even the spa or anything like that. I think that is, you know, that's a huge benefit. That being said, we will still cruise non-concierge. We are planning on cruising non-concierge. Um, but it is, yeah, it, I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. It can be hard. It is hard to go back. <laughs> yeah, you don't, like I like to tell people this, you don't have to sail concierge, have an amazing cruise on Disney Cruise Line. If you want to splurge and be a little bit more pampered, concierge is there. But I'll also tell you that there are other cruise lines out there offering far more for the same price that Disney's charging for concierge. So, so the the value proposition is getting a little out of whack in my mind. But uh, but it's it's a it's a it's a great way to be pampered. You know, I'm, we're certainly looking forward. We as we're recording this, it is about a week before, two weeks before Thanksgiving, and we will be sailing concierge for the week of Thanksgiving, and yep. it will be lovely. <laughs> I'm sure. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> So Jeanette, did you book any adult dining at since you know you had Remy and Paulo as options on the Disney Dream? Yes. So we actually booked Paulo twice and both for dinner. And we are in the unpopular camp of Paulo dinner versus over <gasps> Paulo brunch. Brunch. Wow. Yeah. And we actually we got to experience brunch on our med cruise. So it was pre-pandemic. We had the whole experience. You know, we did the buffet, also ordered off the menu, and we loved it. I felt like a princess. The server was amazing. But dinner, I don't know what it is about dinner. It's just more it just feels more relaxed. It feels more intimate. And we liked everything on the menu. We did Paulo twice and then Remy once. We had never done Remy dinner before. We did Remy brunch, loved it, and just wanted to try the elevated experience. This time. Awesome. 
Love it. Okay, well, we'll circle back to talk about those in a little bit more detail because uh, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on on Remy dinner. Um, but let's start by talking about like lo- logistics. Where were you sailing out of, and how did you get there? And did you spend time, you know, before the sailing, wherever that was? <laughs> yes. So we're we were flying from the East Coast. We sailed out of South Southampton. So we flew into London Heathrow. And it was our second time ever experiencing it. And it is what everyone says it is. It's just chaotic. You have to prepare yourself. And, you know, we took a red eye. So we, we worked the day that we were leaving, took a late night flight out, had the red eye. We booked bulkhead seats. So, you know, we at least had a little bit of leg room. I slept a little bit. I Christian's not a very good flyer, so he didn't sleep that much. But we powered through it. You know, you get to London Heathrow. They kind of herd you through the corridors of London Heathrow to get out. I think I clocked it at around 45 minutes to an hour before we got to the end of everything. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, the whole process, you you know, going through customs and it's such a huge airport and there's so many of those long hallways that you have to just to get to like where you get your bags. It's it, it's it's a crazy experience. Absolutely. Busy, I think it's the busiest airport in the world. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. It's yeah. busier than JFK, I would say. And I feel like JFK is probably the busiest i don't know in the united states except yeah maybe, i don't know lax atlanta. and o'hare are bare no, atlanta. Atlanta, i don't know anyway oh they're all crazy but yeah. heathrow seems like craziest okay so you you finally get out of heathrow did you guys spend any time in london we did the- um so we initially we were going to spend two days and take the shuttle down to southampton with everyone else on the way down but we decided we didn't really want to risk that. And we wanted to see Southampton too. So we only stayed one night in London and we stayed at the Georgian Hotel. It was in near Westminster, um, near Buckingham Palace. And so when we left the airport, we took a bus and got our way down there. And it was probably 10 o'clock in the morning. So still too early to check into the hotel, but they luckily we were able to leave our bags and so we left our bags and just hit the ground running. We went to a bunch of places. We knew with just 24 hours, we couldn't really go to anywhere that had queues. We, it was more of the, you know, go by the places rather than go inside and really experience them. But well, yeah, you can get a picture outside Westminster Abbey. You can, you know, take a picture of Big Ben in Parliament. You can, you know, it's, it's, uh, you can do a good bit of sightseeing without, as you mentioned, going inside and doing the tours because that you really need, you know, extra time for any, any highlights from your, your time in London and, and how was the, was the, how was the hotel to your, was it to your liking? Um, and did you feel like the location was good? That sort of thing. I thought the, the location was okay. It wasn't too bad. You know, Everywhere you go in London, you kind of have to take public transportation and we're pretty comfortable with doing that. So we did the taxis um, to get to the borough market. We did do the underground a couple of times and that was actually a lot simpler than we initially thought it would be. And then where the hotel was, it was kind of an up and coming neighborhood and it felt safe. It just, we were, it it was strange because all of the buildings just looked the same when you're going down. So it's... That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Easy to get Um, lost. (laughs) Yeah. It was, 
we loved it. We loved the, the character of it. We, you know, walked around the corner and down the street a bit to get to a local coffee shop and it didn't feel touristy at all, which is kind of what we liked. So yeah, we would stay in that area again or another one. The hotel itself was, it was really cute. It was a boutique, a boutique hotel and, um, you know, they're older buildings, so they didn't have AC and it was actually a very warm weekend. Oh, and wow, we got yeah. an email a couple of days before saying, you know, just warning everyone that it is an older building. They don't have AC in their rooms. They will provide a fan in the rooms and we can ask them to change the duvet to just a top sheet if we wanted to. And so that we did that. We got the fan and we had the fan blowing on us just directly <laughs> that entire night. Had the window open. It was, it was very, very hot. And we were up on, I want to say, maybe the fourth level. And so a lot of s- stairs going up um, and, you know, heat rises. So it was yes. pretty warm. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty warm, warm on the fourth night. floor. Yeah. Um, and we were, we were glad to you know, kind of just be out and about in the cooler air. Yeah. And this is, this is the end of September then, or is this early October? It was the middle of September, actually. Of it September. was, yeah, it was the, we arrived there on September 15th. Okay. That's right. I was trying to remember exactly when the ships had, you know, back across and I never remember the exact timing. Um, yeah, so I mean, September can can be still warm in London. So sounds like it was. Uh, okay, so then you decide to head to Southampton that very next day, right? Um, and have one night in Southampton before you you sail out. How did you guys get down there? And um, I don't even know if it's down, but down or up there. I have no idea directions. Yeah. Sorry to anyone from the UK that's listening. I'm <laughs> terrible at I don't know England that well. Uh, but yeah, how did you get to Southampton and what did you guys get up to there? We went down on bus. So on a bus, it was, I want to say, close to two hours that we were on the bus. And it was smooth. It was pretty easy to get down there. Um, and we were right down the street from the bus station our hotel was, which is kind of why we chose it. We just wanted to make sure that we could, you know, we only packed with carry-ons. So for a transatlantic cruise, you know, that oh, was kind wow. of wild. Wow, um, Jeanette, that is yep. really wild. Wait, yeah, wait, wait. We have to stop there for a second. You packed for f- like, what is it, 14, 15 night? How long was the sailing? It was actually a lot shorter. This one was an 11 night cruise. Okay, so 11 nights yep. though, plus right. the time plus on either end. Plus the time on either end. Yes. Wow. Okay, so what's yeah. the stra- What did you, so uh, full Laundry disclosure. is the strategy. Full disclosure, <laughs> I've done, well, yeah, I've gone to Europe before in a carry-on, but it involved like, you know, finding places that would do my laundry on the cheap kind of thing. Is that, is that what you did? Did you, or did you manage to like, you know, have enough clothes to get you on the cruise and then you did laundry on the ship? What was the, what was the strategy there for folks at home? That's what we did. We had enough to make sure that we could do laundry on the first or second day of the cruise. And, but that also include, I mean, it was a longer cruise. So we had formal night. We had to pack that. The shoes take up a lot of space. So I have a pretty strict rule of I only bring three pairs of shoes. I brought four this time, but I feel like pool shoes don't really count. Yeah. So you have to have sneakers, you have to have flip flops, and you've got to have like one or two pairs of like sandals, shoes, whatever you're going to wear with your dresses for dinner, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do. I, it's, I try and limit myself to that those four whenever we cruise. If it's a shorter cruise, I limit it to three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 
that's hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shoes are a problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they were very heavy packs. I will say that. So we had our packs and um, a personal item. And we, so we had to carry that. You know, that was us being responsible for our luggage. And we were burned, I think, on our honeymoon. And that was the last time we checked a bag to a destination. Oh, wow. And so we, yeah. our rule is, you know, we carry on our luggage going to a destination, but we can check whatever we want coming back. Yeah. That's a so. smart, I mean, because when you get home, you still have clothes, right? So mm -hmm. <laughs> versus if you're flying to your, like your honeymoon and you don't have clothes for several days, that's not really that fun. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So you get to Southampton carrying your very heavy packs <laughs> and personal items. What did you guys decide to do in Southampton before the cruise left? So we got there kind of middle of the day. So we had just enough time to, you know, put our bags in our room. So we got, we stayed at the Moxie Hotel, which is, you know, really, really close to the port and walkable around downtown Southampton. And so there was actually, it's a very, very large boat show or boarding, water sporting boat show. And it was absolutely packed. And I feel like we still need to go back to Southampton because they had, with it sort of being a convention and boat show, they had those fences with that were lined and you couldn't really see into some areas. So there are some parts that were just completely blocked off. I feel like that kind of prohibited some views out. That would have been really great to see some of the ships coming in. And so a lot of the restaurants, yes, a lot of the restaurants were busy. You had to have a reservation uh, and we did not. So we kind of begged our way in to a little place. We stopped by a little pub there. They had this little old town. I'm not sure what it, it was called, the Duke of Wellington. So it was this little pub and we got some drinks there and we were hoping to get some food because, you know, we had this long bus ride and they actually weren't they had changed their schedule because of the boat show. So they weren't going to, they were done selling food and then at least for lunch. And then they had to basically save all of their provisions for dinner and the reservations were all booked up. <laughs> so yeah. So we ended up finding a place called the pig on the wall and they kind of squeezed us in. So, you know, we were sitting in lounge chairs rather than actual, like an actual dinner table or out on the patio, but it was, it was a good time. We still had a, a nice time there. So they actually, they have a mall there at Southampton. And I know here in the States, you know, malls are kind of getting run down. No one's really going there anymore. It's not really the culture, but we were so surprised that malls in Europe, you know, or just anywhere else, you know, it's very much the place to be. It's kind of, you know, that old era that we used to know. Um, so went and checked out John Lewis Love the department store. It was fun to walk through and just kind of live that nostalgia of being in a department store and everyone still shopping and buying their clothes there. Yeah, I was going to say the at least in the UK, right? When we go to London, department stores are we like love a, the department oh, stores. They're amazing. There's Selfridges, Harrods, Fortnum and Mason. They all have you know, the big department stores. Have food. Have the food halls. Oh, did, yeah. At least the ones they, in London. Yeah. They did department stores right. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're definitely, you're right. They're still booming over there. Um, all right. Well, so let's talk about embarkation. Um, the next morning is embarkation day for you all. How did the process go? I, I know Southampton was the 
the major embarkation port that and Barcelona were sort of the major embarkation ports for the summer. So I imagine by the time you're sailing, which is the last cruise out of Southampton, they've got their process pretty well down pat. But I'm I'm curious, uh, am I is my assumption correct? Yes. Yeah, so actually, it was a little bit confusing and. Um, on the Facebook page, everyone was trying to figure it out. And then sort of a, a couple of weeks right before the cruise, we were able to hear directly from Disney and our travel agents, you know, that what our cruise terminal was going to be because it didn't match the document that they had sent us. So we were actually ended up cruising out of the Queen Elizabeth terminal, I think the QE2 terminal. And you could walk, but it was... And a lot of people were expecting to be able to walk to the terminal, but this one was all the way at the end of the dock. And it was a very, very long dock. So it was more like a 45-minute walk for people. Oh, wow. Well, and you've got this boat show going on, right? So it's like crowds yes. and chaos and going on. Yeah. Yeah. So someone on the Facebook page brought that up, you know, brought that to the attention of everyone. And they said, as soon as you get to your hotel, when you get to Southampton, just make sure that you get a taxi settled. And so that's what we did. We got a taxi booked by Moxie. So we were all set in the morning. We just showed up at the time that they said they would be down there and they took us straight into the terminal. And since we were concierge, we were able to get there pretty early. Didn't have to wait too long, got our bags, you know, on board and just waited. We probably waited only half of an hour and then we were on the ship. Wow. Okay. Now I got to ask you the question about your bags. So I know you have the policy of not checking bags on the airplane. What do you do at the cruise terminal? Do you hand over your bags for the porters to put your bags on the ship? Or do you actually carry your bags on board? Typically, we carry our bags on board. And just because I like to, <laughs> I like to unpack as soon as I get on there. So I'll keep, I don't want to wait for my bag. So I know some people, you know, depending on how busy the cruise is sometimes they're not getting their bag until well after they're able to get into their staterooms. So I we like to unpack as soon as we get on board and then I will go and commandeer an iron from one of the laundry rooms and I'll, you know, iron everything that very first day, hang it up and then we're set. You know, we're unpacked. And but this time our packs were really, really heavy. And we said, you know, we have concierge, our rooms are ready by noon. So let's go ahead and just do it. So we just sent our bags. Yeah, that's definitely uh, one benefit for concierge. Not only is your room ready early, but typically your bags come early as well. Um, those concierge tags, I don't know what magic goes on with the porters, but I feel like when we stay concierge on the ship, we get our bags quicker than we I, ever did. I suspect that the concierge staff on that floor is down there trying to find those tags. Like one, they probably put the tagged <laughs> luggage for concierge in a special area. And two, they just come down and grab it like as soon as it comes on. But Jeanette, I am with you. As soon as the bags arrive, Sam can tell you, I am yes. like unpacking. Even on a three-night cruise, I like yes. want to fully unpack. I want to feel like yeah. I'm here for my vacation, not living out of a suitcase. So... But we have to do it. We have to do it like sequentially because when we try to unpack at the same time, inevitably, Brian is getting annoyed with me because I'm like in the way. Like, I don't know what it is about his. I want to be efficient. I want to be efficient with my unpacking. And I love to, if I can be unpacked before the muster drill, (laughs) 
I'm and a happy, happy I person. I just yeah. need to like get out of his, well, the best, our best cruises are where I get out of the way. Like I go deliver magnets or something and let him unpack. And then I come back and unpack myself and Nathan. It's just I fully, easier. I fully <laughs> embrace my compulsion, my, my compulsion toward organization. Like I, and then he organize reorganizes. I'll like unpack stuff. I am and like, I am like, what's the character from Big Hero Six where it's like everything has a place. Everything <laughs> has a place. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, Jeanette. So we're you're on board the beautiful Disney Dream. Um, did you get to enter into the atrium? That's always a, a question when you're not at Port Canaveral. We yes, we did. We entered into the atrium, and it was. It was strange just because it was concierge. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't that energy of people that were in there. It was uh, sort of yeah. just, you it's know, quiet. the officers and, <laughs> and the people. And then they usher you into the Royal Palace to, yep, for our lunch, for our concierge lunch. So yeah, it was, it was a little bit different. And um, the sailings that we had before this, we were used to that little skit that they did because of COVID. Oh, yeah. So it had been a little bit different. This was our first cruise that we felt like it was completely back to normal. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Well, so for our listeners, if you're staying concierge, you can still go to Cabanas for lunch. You don't have to go to the sit-down lunch, but the benefit of the sit-down lunch, unless you're on the Wish, which doesn't have this, um, is you get to meet your concierge hosts and the, they'll come around to your table and make sure any of your bookings are taken care of if you need to cancel something, if you want to book something that you weren't able to get in advance or you know something like that. So all right, Jeanette, let's talk about uh, your ports because obviously you had some um, some interesting ports doing this transatlantic. You're leaving from Southampton. What's your first port of call? The first port was Vigo, Spain. And this one kind of stumped a lot of people because the dream hadn't been there in a really long time. I think they may have only been there a couple of times before and it had been several years. So even the crew, I had asked our concierge, Hosts. So we had David, Mira, and Susanna. And I had asked Susanna and Mira, you know, can you recommend anything for Vigo? Because we didn't, we had an excursion booked and for Vigo and Lisbon. And we decided, you know, when we did more research on those ports, you could just walk right off. And we love those kinds because we can just go explore ourselves. And the excursions that we had, you know, you had to be on a bus for out and back, you know, you'd be sitting for at least two hours sometimes three. And we just didn't want to, you know, take up our whole day like that. So Vigo, we canceled our excursion, decided to walk right off and it ended up being our favorite port. It was very unexpected. We loved it. It was a smaller town and it was all up on a hill. So we got off the ship and we knew that there was this fortress that you can get up to. And so we decided to go straight up there before the crowds were really picking up. And like most of the shops weren't even open yet, but we stumbled upon a little art shop and just the people were so nice. The women that were running the shop, they didn't speak much English and we didn't speak much Spanish, but we still made it work. And she was really trying to use English. They were very, very sweet. Um, So we bought some local art from there and then, you know, hoofed our way up the hill to get to this fort. And 
It was amazing views when we got up there. There was a photographer that was out and I could just remember enough high school Spanish to make out that he was saying, you know, you need to get here early. There's too many people. You have to get here at five for the good pictures, <laughs> you know, but it was, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful day. It kind of reminded us of being in Sorrento and just how blue and the water and the sky was and just this cliff that went down. So we knew we wanted to go to Oyster Street. Everyone kept saying, you know, that's, or what we were researching said that Oyster Street, if you love seafood, you have to go there. And so after the fort, we made our way back down. We actually stopped. We saw a little wine shop stop there and then grabbed a bottle to bring on the ship and then made our way back down to Oyster Street just to get some lunch. And there are just countless seafood restaurants that all look the same. They all have, you know, the pictures with paella and seafood all over the place. And they have vendors. So oyster vendors that are basically these little stands that are right in the middle of all of the seating in front of these restaurants. And so they're not connected to the restaurants, but they have a sign that says, you know, if you want their oysters, just sit at a restaurant and then tell them that you want oysters and they'll go to the nearest vendor and you know, bring them. Yeah. And they'll set them at your table. And we, we wish we could have trusted them a little bit more, but (laughs) it being our very first cruise port and being, you know, yeah, you don't want bad shellfish. Like day three. Yeah. We were, we got shellfish that was cooked rather than raw oysters. And we really, we like oysters. We love seafood, grew up on the coast, but yeah, we just, we didn't do it that time. Maybe another time we'll go back. And yeah, well, I can understand that. Yeah, you just, it, you, there's a lot of risk with raw. I mean, there's risk with even cooked shellfish, right? Mm-hmm. But there's another level of risk with with raw shellfish. So yeah, I mean, maybe some oysters Rockefeller, but um, yeah. I'm guessing they didn't serve that. I'm guessing <laughs> no, they didn't was, have that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that sounds like fun. Um, did you guys get up to anything else uh, in Vigo? So we, after Oyster Street, so it took a little bit of time to walk all the way up to the fort. And so it's walking up a hill and then they had escalators, actually, so outdoor escalators actually oh, cool. to help people get up towards the top. Um, like at Universal Studios, uh, Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A lot like that. Yeah. But These are like, were, the, I've never seen escalators like that before, by the way. Yeah. Other, so the ones, Yeah. It was really wild. It's just the juxtaposition of the cobblestones and then you see this escalator right next to it. And so you're going up, going up these hills. And so after Oyster Street, we ended up, you know, we only had gotten one bottle of wine and we knew we were like, well, we can bring on a couple of bit, a couple more, you know, onto the ship. So we went back to that wine shop because we saw the one that was more popular and it just, it wasn't as quaint. And you can tell it was sort of the touristy place to get alcohol. And so we made our way back up the hill and took the escalators back up. And um, the owner of this wine shop didn't speak a lick of English. And but he had someone that, you know, it was a local that actually owned another restaurant down the street. And it was funny because he literally was just there to be the translator for him and they wow. just spend for their the, day for the day because yeah. they knew the ship was in port yeah and they spend their day together you know they're just drinking wine all day and enjoying all these little aperitifs and um and appetizers and things like that 
and he's the person that helps sell the wine for this owner. And then the owner, you know, if he has questions, the owner will ask the owner and then, you know, he'll say, no, this is the kind of wine that they want. If that's what they're looking for, that's what they like. This is what I recommend. And it was such a great experience. It was so picturesque. And so we had a glass, we enjoyed one more glass of wine, got our second bottle and then made our way back down to the ship. So yeah, the itineraries, unfortunately, the port time was really, really short. So on the med, I remember we had like our excursions could be nine hours long. The ones here, it was max four or five hours. So we didn't have a lot of time on off, um, off of the ship in the ports. Hey, DCL Duo fans, you know, we get the question all the time, should I use a travel agent to book my next Disney cruise or should I just book with Disney directly? And I'm going to tell you, if you have that question in the back of your mind right now, you should stop what you're doing and head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. The folks over at My Path Unwinding provide an amazing service. They are so knowledgeable and so friendly. We rely on them ourselves to book our family vacations and they provide an amazing service. And the best part is you don't pay anything extra for it. Disney, other tour providers, and other cruise lines have built the cost of their commission into their pricing. So if you're booking directly, you are just paying that money back to the provider when you could be spending it on the kind of service you would get from My Path Unwinding Travel. You've heard from their agents on our show. They are so knowledgeable, so giving of their time. They know so much about Disney Cruise Line, Sailing Concierge, other cruise lines, other all-inclusive vacations and adventures by Disney that if you have a vacation in mind, they are the ones to book it for you. So again, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL duo so they know we sent you their way thanks my path unwinding for sponsoring the show and with that back to our episode okay so after vigo you head to lisbon portugal is that right and tell us what you got up to in lisbon so lisbon again we had canceled our excursion i think we were supposed to get off and have muscles somewhere um, on a boat and see another old city but we decided you know, just to walk off, see Lisbon. So we walked straight off and um, a lot of people went and joined excursions, even walking tours, but we kind of canceled ours a little bit late. So we, we, there wasn't a lot of room left on other tours. And so I'm a big Rick Steves fan. Everywhere we go, I try to buy a Rick Steves book and Vigo, that is, is not a popular enough port yet that he doesn't have a book for it. So, but I got his little snapshot of Lisbon and kind of went off of that. And so got the little tarts, the little um, pastes de nada and went to one of his recommendations for that. Loved it. You know, just got a couple the first time we went, walked around a bit and then stopped again and got some more there and some coffee and sardines are really big there. And um, I don't know if you, if you have been to Portugal before but yet the sardine cans are just beautiful it's artwork all over the sardine cans and so we bought a couple and you know there isn't really a restriction of bringing those on a plane so we were able to do that and I wanted to get some tile so that was something that I researched in the Rick Steves books and there was a store really close to the port where they sold more authentic tiles. So there's a lot of ripoffs. You can buy them, you know, at, I guess I shouldn't say ripoff. It's just a replica of the, the beautiful tiles of the streets. They're everywhere of the, on the, on the buildings and on the street, everything is tiled. Um, he does say to be wary of what you're buying and just to make sure 
that it's not something that was stolen off a building. You know, that's something that they're struggling with right now. And so he gave some reputable places to purchase, you know, replicas of tile. And the one that he gave that I went to, it was this little storefront and then it looked closed. So we almost walked away and then we saw a little sign with an arrow in Portuguese, you know, saying to go next door. So we went next door and it was a hotel, but the we said, you know, we asked about the tile and the concierge basically like took us. It was in the lobby, but it was these double doors and it just opened up into the studio. And so it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of a private experience. It was really cool. Got my pick of whatever tile I wanted and found one and that we wanted to, you know, have in our house. Awesome. That sounds like a, I mean, that sounds just like a a perfect quaint day in Lisbon. Now, uh, what was your next port? I imagine that you're at sea after this for a while. Is Am I right? Or is there we another are. port? Yeah. Typically, I think normally the Westbound Transatlantic would stop at the Azores. Mm. But that was dropped off on this itinerary, which is that's a bucket list place for us. So we mm-hmm. were kind of sad that we didn't get to go. But it was five more days at sea. And then we went to Bermuda. Awesome. All right. Well, let's talk about Bermuda. Um what did you guys get up to there and what did you, what did you plan and what did you actually end up doing? So we had an excursion. This was the only excursion that we kept and it was a catamaran experience. Almost booked. It was these caverns and a flamingo experience and it looked really, really cool. It had great reviews, but we said if we're going to be in Bermuda and it's our one warm port, we're going to get in the water. So we did the catamaran experience where we got They took us out to a reef and we got to do some snorkeling and that was really, really fun. We had never snorkeled around, you know, live coral reef before. We've, you know, snorkeled around in the Bahamas, but you're just kind of looking in the water at fish. But this one, there was so much just inside of the the reef and it was beautiful, all the colors um, and it was super, super salty. So we didn't have an issue floating, which was really nice. Um, awesome. Now, was Bermuda your last port before you uh, port back in the U.S.? And and did you port back in Port Canaveral or Miami? I can't remember for this. We actually came back to New York. Oh, even yeah, more Yeah, because they had the New York sailings that then That's Aaron, right. Aaron went on. And, That's yeah. right. I forgot yeah. about that. Did you have, was there any port in between Bermuda and New York or is that really your last, your last stop? No, that. Um, There wasn't. It was our last stop. So, and since we had never been to Bermuda, we actually think all, everyone was able to get off ship. We got there really early. So we were able to get off a lot earlier than we thought. And our excursion wasn't until noon. So we actually got off ship a little bit beforehand, got our souvenirs and then got back on board because, you know, you have to meet on board for your excursion. And we did our excursion. We probably had you know, an hour left before the all aboard time. And we said, you know what? We love this port a lot, but or we really enjoyed it. And there was a place that we wanted to stop in before our excursion, but it was so early that they weren't open. And we love pubs. My husband loves pubs. So we went to um, a brewery and, you know, it's part of the UK technically. So it was like this English pub right in the middle of Bermuda in this tropical place. <laughs> so... Yeah, we grabbed a beer and we were kind of, we weren't 
port runners really, but you know, we kind of we're we're cutting it very close. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But you made it back on board because you made it to New York. Yeah, we did. <laughs> you know, one thing I'm always curious about um with these transatlantic cruises and then of course Bermuda to New York, what were the seas like? Were you know, did you have calm seas or did you have rough seas, you know, at any point during this this uh this Yeah. Yeah, so I know it was a couple of months ago now, but there were a lot of hurricanes actually in the Atlantic and we were worried about it beforehand. It was it was a little bit rainy, you know, the day we left Southampton, but the entire time up until Bermuda or up until after Bermuda, it was, you know, we were in the Atlantic. So the captain, we had Captain Demir, we were able to cruise around all of the storms. So it was it was really fun to see off of the ship, just the, all the microclimates that we were going past. And so you can see rainstorms in the distance, but we never experienced a drop of rain. Um, during, That's awesome. You know, before, yeah. It's kind of amazing how they can do that, though, because you're right. They're in the middle of the ocean for several days. And so they can just go a little bit north or a little bit south. And so you can end up with this kind of zigzaggy route. But mm-hmm. yeah, avoiding the rain is is key. Yeah. So when you're sailing up from Bermuda to New York, you don't have you're on the eastern seaboard. So you don't have as much uh, leeway of where you can go. How is the weather there? No, that it was just nothing but rain. It was sideways rain. It was hard rain because we were hitting the tail end of the hurricanes, which, you know, of course, are the worst rains. So it was windy. It was rainy. And the whole time the cruise was windy because, you know, you're moving the whole time. But this one was the one where no one could be outside. And we were, everyone was looking forward to that last sea day, but it it didn't really happen. We were all kind of walking around like we had a little bit too much to drink. <laughs> um, we experienced when we went to Remy, we had, or Apollo that night, it was our last night we went to Apollo and the servers were actually escorting everyone out of the restaurant, you know, holding on to their arms so that, yeah, so they weren't falling out of the ship. Um, well, so let's talk about some of the onboard experience. We're not going to go through every day because on an 11 night cruise, we would, we, this oh, yeah. would fill three episodes. But, um, you know, I'd love to know the, some of the, the highlights on board for you and Christian. Uh, and in particular, if there were any sort of special experiences that they did for, for this sailing because it was a transatlantic. So we, it was actually supposed part of, you know, the 25th anniversary sailings too, but it was almost everything kind of sold out and it kind of fizzled and no one was really sure if we were going to have fireworks because the eastbound transatlantic, they said that they weren't and they had both the pirate night and the 25th anniversary. We unfortunately did not have either. Um, and I think it may have been because of um, wildlife or where we were, we just couldn't have it. And maybe the weather too. One thing I remember that we did that we had never done on another cruise was the open house at the Vibe. But this time it was open. It was like an adult only open house. And it was several hours where the adults got to like sit in the pool. Um, oh, yeah. Because on the Dream yeah. and the Fantasy, they have that really cool space that's now on the Wish. It's the it's the rainforest room on the Wish, but it's this outdoor space with like little like hot tubs and, and a, like a sun deck. It's really nice. Yeah. 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 So that was really nice. That was a really cool experience because normally you're just walking through in an open house and you, you know, the kids are there too. And it's just a really quick in and out. But that one we thought was fun. 
Um, there was Jack Jack's diaper dash. We always liked to catch, but there was only a couple of babies because there were not a lot of kids on this cruise. Um, yeah, that makes sense. It's mid-September um, and it's a longer cruise. So the kids are in school for the most part. Yes. And they gave out, you know, a 25th anniversary gift. And we ended up giving ours away <laughs> because just the packing thing. And it we we appreciate it. And it probably would have some value at some point. Um, but we like Disney art, but we actually, we like the print that they gave the concierge guests um, better. And so we decided to keep that and just kind of pixie dust someone else. Yeah. I don't think there was anything really unique other than, you know, a different, they had more menus for the cruise and um, the entertainment that they had, it being our first cruise that we felt like was fully after the pandemic, you know, we had the energy back on the cruise. And so the entertainment was, you know, in the atrium or in the lounges, there was some, always someone around and that was, that was really fun to experience. And they actually, they threw in a second formal night. Oh, nice. Which took, you know, we were just not ready for it. No one was ready for it because we knew the second night was going to be formal night. And then all of a sudden we all get on board and there it is in the itinerary. It was the second to last night was going to be formal night. Yeah, you just wear the same thing you wore yeah. the second so night, everyone, right? everyone, <laughs> you know, we, we didn't, I think I just, I wore a dress, but it, we didn't get in our formal gear again. Um, Christian was like, I'm not, I'll just put on a button down, you know, yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> I will tell you, like, we don't always dress up for a formal night. I mean, there it's there's so such variety oh, on no, board. No, no, come on. At this point in our life, we don't dress up for formal night. I think no, we did it on the first couple of cruises, and I, now we're just like... I might eh. put on a dress, but I don't do anything, like, formal, formal, right? Like, I might... Yeah, so... We're not we're not in shorts. We're not... Let me put... I don't, yeah. I don't think we're typically in, like, shorts and golf shirts, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was... I can't believe I almost forgot this. It was Bob Holland. Um he was an Imagineer for Disney for several years and had worked on, you know, so many projects on the parks and hotels. And, and I think on the Eastbound Transatlantic podcast you had, he was on there too. Um, it was, he was mentioned there, but we went to every single one of his seminars because um, my background is architecture. Christian is a designer. So we were just enthralled. We loved it, went to all of his seminars. And so that meant sacrificing some things that kind of overlapped on his time. Um, but every single C day, he had a seminar. So that was, I think he had six or seven. And yeah, and it was a full house every single time. They actually had the first one in the Buena Vista Theater. And then after that, had to have the rest in the Walt Disney. <laughs> Because enough people wanted to come. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they don't, they don't want to turn people away from those. Did they also have some like cooking demonstrations and stuff? That sort of, I know they they do have those on regular cruises or they had them more often pre-pandemic, but it seems like they're bringing those back for the transatlantic um, cruises yeah, as well. Um, they did. And some of them were actually during those seminars, so I didn't get to go. I actually, I really enjoy going to those. Um, I did get to go to a cheese seminar. They had a coffee one. Uh, we did some towel folding and yeah, they had a lot of activities. It was so packed that there wasn't, we had to, you know, just try to prioritize our time because we really do enjoy, you know, sitting around in the lounges and 
people watching, you know, or getting to know the crew. And it was the first time in the concierge lounge. And I actually, I know the sun deck isn't popular on the dream class ships, but I actually, I really enjoyed it. It was nice and quiet, a nice respite from, from everything else. Yeah. Well, and they've got the hot tub on that sun deck, right? Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't been in concierge on the dream and the fantasy. So actually I've seen pictures, but I have never been in there. So it's, I know it's, um, I know the sun deck is closed off, um, meaning Mm -hmm. there's not views out to the sea and same with the lounge. And that's, I think what you're talking about. People are, people don't love that. Um, But yeah, I would, I think I would enjoy that because I like, you know, sitting in a hot tub when it's quieter, especially than, you know, the other, the other pool areas. Well, I would be remiss, I feel like, if I we didn't ask you about Remy. Um, you know, we we talk about Paulo a lot, I feel like, on the show. And as Brian and I tell people, I think Paulo is for, for everyone. Of course, not kids, but because <laughs> they're not allowed in. But I feel like Paulo is accessible to anyone. Um, and we don't feel that Remy is accessible or Enchante, frankly, as well, is accessible to everyone. And so we try well, to tell... And, and to be clear, accessible for two reasons. One, right, you have to be adventurous eater. You have to, like, you have to be okay with foams and... and giving up control, I think, is part of well, it, Well, giving up control. Yes. Well, you have some control. At least in Remy, I feel like you get yeah, a better sense control. of the menu than when you do uh, Enchante and you're like in chef's hands, right? Like, Remy, you choose one side or the other. But I think also cost, right? Like, Palo, 50 bucks a person plus a tip. And if you want wine, but you know, it's, it's, it's much more accessible than I'll just say the bill at the end of a dinner at Remy or Enchante can, I can take your breath away for a second. So yes, uh, (laughs) have plenty of wine to soften that blow. But yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm curious, Jeanette, you said this was your first time doing Remy um, dinner. You had done Remy brunch before, I think you had mentioned. What, what did you think about Remy and what would you say to somebody who says, Hey, I've, I've never been to Remy. I've been to Paulo. I love Paulo. Should I go to Remy? I think. I think it's great to experience once. And so we we don't know if we will go back. Not that we didn't like the food, but just that we do enjoy Palo. And a lot of it is because of the cost. You know, it is very expensive. And we feel like if you go back, you would be getting the same thing. They do offer two menus. So one by a chef, by an American chef, and then one by the French chef. And we got both. Then they always recommend it. That way you can just try off of each other's plates. Um, we did not do the pairing with it. We just got, you know, we just chose a couple of nice glasses of wine and decided to go that way. We did get the Miyazaki Wagyu beef and it was a two ounce, you know, piece of meat, but it was $70 and we, um, and it was a very, it was very, very good. And we're glad we tried it, but it, we feel like Remy is, it is a place to splurge. And so we prepared ourselves for that. We knew that it would be a big chunk of the cost that we were spending on adult dining. But we enjoyed it. We enjoyed the time, just the leisurely pace of the dinner. And, you know, the servers were fantastic. And it, it the whole thing is an experience. Them presenting the food to you and preparing it in front of you. The cheese was amazing. Oh yeah, um, that cheese cart. Oh. Yeah, when the cheese cart came out, it was it was just it was so great. Um, but but yeah, it you definitely need an adventurous palate. I think if you truly enjoy food and you enjoy you know just quality time of being able to sit back and we we made sure to book it 
kind of when the sun was setting. And so that was, it was fun. It was a nice experience. It was beautiful in the restaurant. I want to go back to something you said, because Sam also gets the Mizuyaki beef nearly every time we go. And for listeners out there, when you hear $70 for a two ounce portion, I want to say two things. One is, this cow is living a lifestyle better than my own, uh, <laughs> wherever it is. Uh, and two, I don't think you could eat much more than two ounces. Of no, this it's very it's buttery. So yeah. buttery no. and it's so rich and has so much fat content into it that if you... If you ate a four ounce portion, you might uh, have just curtailed the rest of your evening. So, yeah. yeah. No, I, and Brian says every time, I mean, I've, we've only been to Remy a handful of times and we actually haven't been to Remy in years. Um, when we've gone on the, the wish has Enchante and that's not an add on option. It's the wishes menu on the Enchante is different than, than Remy's options. So anyway, but I think it's a, a wonderful experience. I, I totally agree. Um, with you, Jeanette, though, it is, it is an expensive experience. It's probably also not for everyone. Um, but I think if you're willing to give yourself over to the chef and have the experience, you can, you can have a really enjoyable experience. I, I also think, um, while the wine pairings are fantastic, it's a little too much. So I think it's a good tip to go for to either share a pairing between two people or, and even that's still a lot, or just order a couple of glasses of wine, you know, maybe a white at the beginning and then halfway through get a red. So. Right. And they had the sommelier that will, you know, cater to what you like and, you know, give you the best advice for what to pair with the menu that you got. And for, I would say for, for Remy, we have no idea what we ordered. We have no idea what we ate. We just remember that it was very good. And, and Paulo, you know, everyone says, you know, you get the chicken parm or the steak and you remember the dish, but Remy's not really one of those places where you can do that. It's, you just go in and go in on it and enjoy. Well, I have one question before I subject you to what I am now affectionately calling the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, <laughs> but I'm curious, would you recommend this cruise to others? So 11 nights at sea, you know, some people look at that and go, oh my gosh, or 11 nights on the ship, not 11 nights at sea, but that's a lot of days at sea. I'll put it that way. Uh, some folks look at that and go, man, I'm going to get just bored out of my mind. Like <laughs> I can't, I couldn't do it. Right. Uh, but would you recommend this cruise to others? And if so, like, what's the one thing you would tell people, the one reason you would give people as to why this was just such a, a great experience? I would recommend it. And for us, we just wanted to give a dream class ship a second chance because the the way we saw them was just on a three-night cruise. We weren't really able to experience adult dining because we wanted to experience each of the restaurants and rotational dining. But, you know, this one was a dream. It was this first westbound transatlantic sailing. And the ports, you, you get a few ports, but they're great ports. So we really enjoyed that. And you actually don't get bored. If anything, we felt like we did not have enough time to do a lot of things that we wanted to do. And a lot of times, you know, we're sitting around trying to lounge, but it wasn't really the case at this one. There was maybe a couple of hours every day where we got to do that, but other, you know, they, they keep the itinerary pretty packed. And so even on that last night, on that last day, when we all got rained out, you know, they, they fluff up the, the, the navigator a little bit and put yeah, more in more there. trivia and more towel folding origami whatever yeah more stuff to do and during the day and inside yeah yeah and the community was great so someone had started a whatsapp chat for everyone because you can chat with without cellular service 
on board. And so it was a great way to, you know, go around, do fish extenders, pixie dust. You know, people were giving tips. So there was a, an amazing double, like rainbow on day four off the, a full rainbow off the side of the ship. And it lasted for maybe a minute or two. And the people were on the chat, you know, trying to tell each other that it was there and the sharing pictures, just the community was really fun to have. And the, you know, it's, it's a Disney experience. The, you get to know your servers and all of that. Nice. Nice. Well, it sounds like an amazing time, but Jeanette, we have reached that point in our show where I need to hand you back over to Sam for some arbitrary questions, some arbitrary rules, and a dash of judgment of the round we know as the Spanish Inquisition. No, rapid fire. Rapid fire is what it's called. That's right. Brian, you're acting like I torture people. All right, Jeanette. No, you just judge them. You judge <laughs> them. Thank God they're remote or else you probably would torture them. Ryan, you're terrible. All right, we're going to start with your Disney favorites, and then we're going to talk some Cruise Line favorites. Jeanette, who is your favorite Disney character? You can pick anything in the Disney universe, meaning anything that Disney owns. I really like Pascal. Oh, yes, from Tangled. Love it. Awesome. Yes, he's just so cute. I don't, I don't know why. I just really, I really like him. Yeah, and he changes color. All right, what's your favorite Disney movie? It would be The Lion King for me and the original Yes. So grew up watching that. So Yes, it, you cannot, if you were going to pick the other Lion King, I would tell you you're wrong. But no, you're correct. <laughs> that is a good answer. All right, favorite Disney song? Okay, if anything from Tarzan or Tangled, I feel like such good soundtrack. So I think yeah. the, the Trash in and the Camp is the one. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. yeah. I love that. All right, favorite Disney Cruise Line stage show? So I would say... I don't know if it's fair because I only saw this once and we have only been on the magic ones, but it's Tangled. And just because of Mother Gothel, whoever yes. had played her was absolutely amazing. The vocals were just beautiful um, and yes. so powerful. But that's because she's a Broadway performer. So, Mo okay, Mother, I so. yeah, Mother <laughs> Gothel in Tangled um, on the magic is typically being played by a visiting Broadway artist. So someone who has been on Broadway or on a national tour or in the West End. So generally, uh, not just a professional performer like all of the Disney performers are, but like at another level. So yes, I but Tangled it, it is a fantastic DCL stage show. So that's a good answer. Yeah, and believe this time it was our first time seeing believe, and mm. it was it was great. Oh, nice, awesome! All right, favorite bar on board any of the Disney ships? Okay, so me and Christian, we both honestly we don't like the Wish too much, but they we love the Bayou. Oh, and I know yeah. There's mixed reviews on that, but we love the energy that we had. We went on a maritime cruise, and so. There was a band that was there almost every single night, you know, just the Christmas music. And we, it's just a very pretty bar. Oh, it is. It's gorgeous. All right. Favorite onboard activity on a Disney cruise? Art of the theme show tour. Yes, I love that. Yeah. For those who don't know what that is, it is an adults only tour of the ship where they tell you about, you know, the artwork of the ship, maybe the carpets of the ship, maybe the lamps of the ship or lighting fixtures. They'll tell you sort of all kinds of artistic design details and theming and, and all of that. And the tour changes depending upon who your tour guide is. So you can go on it more than once on the same ship and actually get a different tour. But it's, yeah, fantastic. All right. Favorite rotational dining. We like Tiana's place. Yes. I mean, who doesn't love Mardi Gras night in there? It's fantastic. 
All right. You have been on the magic. You have been on the other ships, the dream, the fantasy, and you have also been on the wish. So I have to ask you, Aquadunk, Aquaduck, or Aquamouse? I like the Aquaduck. That is the right answer. <laughs> classic. It's a classic. Actually, I will say I do like the Aquamouse as well. But um, yeah, that's... Yeah, uh, and I've, I've been on all of those slides and the aqua dunk it just i mean it takes your breath away and you're just so scared right yes, there it's the terrifying second yeah yes, oh it's it not is. terrifying stop it there are kids listening it's, to this it's exhilarating it is exhilarating. I, I have been on it now twice that is fair. and i will go on it again in about a week so it's I exhilarating will, yeah. and invigorating all at the same time <laughs> and i love it i love okay. everything about it the, yeah the next controversial question is what is your favorite ship Jeanette? It's the wonder. That's the right answer. That's the right answer. Right answer. (laughs) We love the magic class that actually was our very first ship. And so we we went so long ago that we knew it wasn't even Tiana's place yet. It was still Parrot Key. Yeah, we actually we still haven't experienced Rapunzel's. So on the magic. Yeah. We when we went on our med cruise, it was right I think the year or two before. Oh, right before that dry dock. Yeah. Well, you'll have to get on the magic again because that um, the Rapunzel's Royal Table is fantastic. All right. Now you have been on what many would call bucket list cruises. You've yep. been to Alaska. You've been to the Med. You've been now on the westbound transatlantic. What is your, let's call it your next bucket list cruise, a cruise you haven't been on uh, that you are really hoping to get on? And it can even be one that Disney Cruise Line doesn't currently sail, but you'd like them to. Yeah, I think any cruise that would let me see the Northern Lights, you know, I really, we really want to try and see them one day. And I just feel like to see them on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean would be really, really cool. Um, But honestly, for an itinerary that exists or did exist, it would have been the Baltic cruise because it, it went to, I think, seven different countries in one itinerary. A lot of countries, we just haven't made our way that, you know, to that that far yet. Yeah. Well, thank you for playing, Jeanette. Um, as soon as you said the wonder, you won. So congratulations. <laughs> um, so if she had said the wonder, but the aqua dunk, she would have lost. So well, the, the I, algorithm here, Sam's scoring close. algorithm is much like AI, unreliable. And, it doesn't make uh, any sense. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, like, it's like, uh, whose line is it anyway, where the points don't matter? And you know. we're going to turn this into the gong show soon. But I still won. Banging the gong. You still yeah. won. You won, Jeanette. Yes, yes. Well, Jeanette, I always like to ask what's next. Uh, anything planned out there for you for a uh, Disney Cruise Line sailing? No, we got a placeholder. We don't have um, we don't have a cruise set just yet. Our 10 year anniversary is next year, but we actually we kind of we don't think we're going to do a cruise for that one. Ah. Um, yeah. So but Disney is always, you know, in the forecast for us where his family is a huge Disney family. I'm sure we'll end up at the park somewhere at some point. Um, his parents are thinking maybe Vero Beach for the next get together, which we haven't we haven't been, but some of his family has. So well, that sounds yeah. awesome. Well, I hope you end up with a really great anniversary vacation. Ten years is a lot to celebrate. Um, but thanks so much for joining us today, Jeanette. Yeah, thank you for having me. You stole my lights. Yeah. I know I did. <laughs> 
Well, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon if you'd like to help support the show. We really, truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with a DCL duo. Good night.